What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 138, a little bit later today, but better late than never. Good show playing for you. We have a new NBA champion crowned last night. We will discuss that along with Ben. Uh, ben did a little research and found out he, he wasn't so far off. I believe it was last episode when he talked about the last Canadian team to win the uh, Stanley Cup. Some new contracts in the NFL, freshly signed uh, within the last few days, and one that uh, might surprise people that actually wasn't. Uh, the Blue Jays are set to return home, and we have some banned fans in Major League Baseball. But first, Milwaukee Bucks. They did it, finally. Last night, won the NBA title to beat the Phoenix Suns four games to two in the series. Giannis, I am not even going to attempt to say that man's last name. It's like 37 letters. Uh, I would only butcher it. Um, won the finals MVP. Apparently played with a knee injury. Uh, I mean, it, it, this guy was already, uh, I believe, a multiple-time MVP. Already considered one of the best for those four people out there who may not have considered him an elite player. I think he put all that doubt to bed. Uh, he's absolutely one of the best, if not the best. Deserves all the credit and accolades he gets. And, I mean, I, I'm i not trying to say the rest of his team isn't good, but when I see him play, it reminds me a lot of Kevin Garnett on those Timberwolves teams where it's like, yeah, they're going to be okay without him, but they are not the same team. Uh, that is that is very true, Chris. And, in fact, over the past few years, because he hasn't quite developed his game, uh, they needed a little bit more help from the rest of the squad, and that wasn't – I mean, if, if you think back to LeBron, LeBron, he needed to carry his team uh, to a couple of those uh, – especially in Cleveland, a couple of those championships. Not so much in, in uh, Miami, but – uh, in, in Cleveland, especially, whether he won or lost, he definitely needed to carry those that team to the finals. Um, just looking at the quick roster, and you know, I, I I know the guys. Drew Holiday is a very good point guard. Chris Middleton is an exceptional small forward and a great compliment to Giannis. There is no, you know. You think back to last year, uh, LeBron had actually technically Anthony Davis had LeBron, um, and that's just top of the market with top of the market. This is this is similar to two years ago when Kawhi Leonard won with the Raptors. Yeah, yep. I, I'm not disrespecting Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet. I'm not respect disrespecting any of them, but Kawhi Leonard top of the game and it was a big distance between him and the next player this is similar to that and i think when we look at this Giannis, 35 points average 35.2 let me not disrespect him 1.8 blocks five assists 13.2 rebounds that is the average of the nba finals and as you pointed out a knee injury this is this is why i look at the super teams that they put together. And I say, you don't need that. You only do that if you, I, I'm not trying to disrespect the super teams and, and what they do. And, and, and they do win championships. I mean, I have, I have to call a spade a spade, you know, even, even though it was through trades, the Boston Celtics in 08 put together a super team of Kevin Garnett, 
Paul Pierce and, and Ray Allen. Uh, not the top of the game at that point, but they were all top 25 at least. And worked, and re- worked really well together. It did. Compl- each each player's uh, skill set complemented the other one. There was no repeats, no redundancies. Uh, and then you look at uh, some say the converse of, of LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and, and Chris Bosh coming together in Miami and, you know, you mean, co- you mean convergence? Convergence, thank you. See, that's why you're here, man. You're here to help <laughs> totally me out. I can't, I can't get my own words right, but I can I can figure out yours. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. I do. Um, but if you look at that, it's a little different in some respects, but I think um, I can be honest and say it's kind of similar. And I think that's one problem that you can look at the NBA. I'm not trying to push aside the Bucks championship. I'm trying to actually – um, put it up on a higher pedestal because this is a guy who took his team on his back, bum leg and all, and, and drug him to a, an NBA Finals. And and uh, that's a Suns team that's got an up-and-coming Devin Booker, who is a very skilled scorer, Chris Ball veteran. Anton, uh, God, I can't remember his last name, a big guy, top draft pick. He's like seven feet tall. Freak of nature, he's an alley oop waiting to happen. It's it's good to see a guy like that just take his team to the championship and win it, because that tells other players, I don't need to go to one place and, and just collect this talent and and, and win a championship. I, we can we can absolutely do it without that, and I think that's important for. Not just fans, but you know the players themselves. Not to sit there and say, "Well, let's all come together." And and, and I, I know it kind of was different, but Brooklyn, you could say, you know, you know, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, like they all came together in somewhere yeah. fashion. You want to talk? You talked about Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett, three guys who worked well together and were great team players. You want to talk about the anti anti. Antithesis, antithesis of that uh, being three gentlemen you just mentioned. Kyrie Irving, I mean, can't even get along with the voices in his own head. Uh, Harden, I mean, his words about as good as a wet paper bag. I mean, I'm never leaving Houston and then and so is by the way. To help your point, his defense is about the same too. Yeah, if he plays any. (laughs) Kevin Durant, while while incredibly talented, is about as soft as they come mentally in the entire league. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, that's a super team talent-wise. Can't question the talent of any of those three guys. No. On, on the court, they're phenomenal. But, man, there are some personality flaws when it comes to being a good team player. Let's just put it mildly. That's why I like the idea of one player being that top talent, and they can just... Like that's, that was the great thing about LeBron in Cle- early Cleveland and then going back to Cleveland. Uh, and, and they had Kevin Love. He had uh, J.R. Smith. He had some talented players. But well, you knew LeBron that, was the guy. Right. LeBron yeah. was the guy. He was the super talented player that, right. that just, like, the first was the second year in the league. He drug a, a Cleveland Cavaliers team to the final and got swept 4-0 by the San Antonio Spurs. Rightfully so, because that was an extremely talented San Antonio Spurs. But – he took that team, and that's something that you look at and say that's 
someone who has great talent, and he, if he just refines his game a little bit more, maybe a little bit of luck, and the players develop a little bit more behind them, and that's what you know, Chris Middleton has been there for a while with with Giannis. So their game complements each other immensely, and it was just making a few tweaks here and there. And I, I will bring up, because I saw this on Twitter, uh, someone uh, posted this, uh, ESPN posted this, and they said, promise fulfilled. And it was a, inst- a tweet by Giannis. Uh, that is seven years ago. I'll never leave the team and the city of Milwaukee till we build the team to a championship level team. July 16th, 2014. Well, I, I don't know he, if he's going to he, leave now. <laughs> going to say you know, he's going to come out and demand a trade. Uh, just, just kidding, just kidding. Um, I mean, that does. I, I, I don't think he's going to do that. But no, no, no. I, I, I think they were going to do everything they can. They, they know, they know where their bread is buttered. They're not going to, they're not going to chase him away. Um, it's, it's. Well, you said about LeBron. It brings up an interesting point. People like to discredit LeBron. And look, I have my issues with LeBron. I think we both do. Off the court, on the court, there is zero questioning the man's talent. He is one of the greats of all time. People want to argue that. I don't know why. Uh, I personally, personally, don't believe he's better than Jordan. But that's just my opinion. Um, If you had to start a team with either one of those two, you're not hurting. Uh, But it, it does... People like to take credit away from LeBron because he was on the Miami Heat super teams. But then you look at what he did with Cleveland. When he went back to Cleveland, he carried that team that had no business. Without him on that team, out of what is there, 72 games in the NBA season, 82? 82. 82. I mean, that team would have been lucky to win 15 games without LeBron. That's true. And they went to an NBA championship and won it with LeBron because of LeBron. Because LeBron put them on his back and carried them the entire freaking way. So... Anybody who wants to say he only won in Miami because of this and this and that, he proved he could do it in Cleveland. So he put his money where his mouth was, proved it, and you can't question his talent. You put put Greg Harden on the team. Greg Harden. What like James Harden? James, James Harden. Harden. James Harden, thank you. Oh, my God. It's, it's not even going to be close. He's not carrying anybody by himself. He couldn't do it both times when he had the other. Uh, what in Memphis was it? Memphis he was on. He was with the Thunder uh, when he had Thunder, with, Oklahoma with, City, with, yeah, with Durant and and West, Russell Westbrook, yeah. And they make the finals once and they lost. And then he couldn't do it in Houston at no. all. No, like every time they got a like, great great regular season, great regular season standing numbers, you know, top seed, number two seed, number three seed, first round or second round done and, and and nobody nobody does it despite what i just said about lebron i'm going to backpedal here a little bit nobody does it just on their own because no. great players elevate other players around them so lebron makes people around him better oh yeah uh jordan makes people around him better jordan himself will say if it wasn't for guys like scotty pippen they don't win six championships well if it wasn't for guys like jordan pippen don't even have one ring um more than likely. That's not a knock on Pippen. That's just saying Jordan could elevate. Jordan could make it's it's like Peyton Manning probably turned some slightly above average wide receivers into Hall of Fame receivers because he was just that great. Uh it's not a disrespect to guys like Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. It's just when you have a guy 
throwing a ball to you or playing or playing on the court with you who can just raise the game of everyone around him. It just it it's something special. And LeBron has it. Jordan had it. I'm not saying Giannis is going to be either one of those guys. It's still way too early to tell. And by this point in his career, I think LeBron had more than one ring. I'm not positive. Uh, but he is the kind of guy, along with guys like a Kevin Garnett, who unfortunately for him didn't get any, you know, any championships in Minnesota when he was carrying those teams. But he's the kind of player who you can build around, and you don't have to go and get three to four really, really ill-tempered stars to hope, hope you can buy yourself a championship with the mercenaries before they, you know, go find the next talented player in free agency to climb onto and go form another super team. Like, this this guy is special. So, actually, Chris, um, to correct, to, just a quick correction on uh, Giannis. He is in year seven right now, correct? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. LeBron was in year eight when he went to oh, well, Miami. I, okay. Now, now he did. We know he made multiple finals because this is the first time in probably about, I think it's like 12 or 13 years that LeBron has not been part of a finals game, uh, whether it's with LA, Cleveland, or Miami. But he's technically ahead in the championship race. And Giannis went one for one, whereas I think I think at this time uh, Cleveland probably went zero and two, or at least zero and one, if not zero and two. And to to enhance your point, Chris, about your uh, statement about LeBron's effect, if you have any questions on whether or not he was as important to those Cleveland teams, go look at their record the year after. There is a reason why they had Kyrie Irving on the Cleveland Cavaliers. There's a reason why they were able to make a move to move up to the second uh, second or third pick in the draft to get Colin Sexton a few years ago uh, because they were in a position because they were that bad. You're talking 10, 15 wins, maybe. And that's the kind of effect that LeBron had. And then look at the Lakers. The year because they didn't get Anthony Davis the first year LeBron was there, but he turned a team that was perennially just not doing anything since uh, Kobe retired. Playoff team didn't win anything, but playoff team. So you're 100 percent correct on on LeBron and his effect in Giannis and the Bucks first time since 1971. 1971 is when they lost, uh, won their last championship. Something. It's not quite 86 years as a Red Sox fan, but uh, it, it's no. it's something. And I, I got to give, I was I didn't watch it, but when I saw who was in it, I'm like, you know what? That's pretty cool. The mm-hmm. Suns and Suns and the Bucks. Yep. And I, I'm gonna be honest, I was kind of pulling for CP3 a little bit because, you know, he he spent a lot of time in, in uh, New Orleans. You know, kind of doing what superstars do, you know, being successful but not getting to the promised land. And then he was traded to the Clippers to form this team, a super team, to try to get to the finals, and it never happened. 
And to to make the finals, at least with the Suns and press conference after game, he's not ready to retire yet. Yeah, that was actually the best thing. I, I, I didn't watch either, but um, as somebody, even a very casual or lapsed fan, that was enjoyable for me. You had a great story of Giannis, the young guy, the up-and-coming guy, the guy who can take the mantle as the best in the league, multiple-time MVP winner. Or you had, like you said, you had CP3, who had been so good for so long. It was like, you could be pulling for one or the other, but no matter what, you were going to watch a hell of a player able to claim their first championship. And, uh, you know, I certainly can't fault fans for wanting their team to win multiple championships if you're a Lakers fan or whatever. I'm a Patriots fan. I was fortunate enough to watch my team win a ton. Uh, so I'm certainly not knocking the fans there. But as somebody who what isn't really a an avid follower of the sport, uh, it was cool to see a championship where a great player, regardless, is going to get their first taste of that championship, you know, the championship win, which is always cool to see. And I, I think I, I'm really hoping that a lot of NBA players are going to look at this and they're going to uh, open their eyes and say, you know what, we don't need, we don't need to to put aside. Um, I don't want to put a, say put aside our, our ego because some of them are are supremely talented, and you should be you should want to take a team and rise them to the top and be proud of that. And I just I just hate it when I see. Other than drafted players, I hate it when I see teams just come together through whether it's free agency or fixed trades to form this team that no one can no one can battle. And it takes a team that has probably the most difficult person to defend in the NBA. He can shoot threes. He has a mid-game. Obviously, he can dunk, rebound, dish the ball. I mean, and he can obviously defend because he's a – and could defend, I probably, I would say, at least four positions, if not all five positions. And that's that's the kind of talent you need to grab. And the Milwaukee Bucks have done a great job to maintain him through these years, to keep him in the same path with them and him not get to the point where he did what Anthony Davis did or James Harden or you name your superstar that fired their way out of town. And I... I speak of this from uh, Boston Celtics fandom. Hopefully Jason Tatum doesn't go uh, the other routes and he goes the route of looking what Giannis did. He isn't the physical freak that, and I mean that in the most endearing way. uh, That's his nickname, the Greek freak. I mean, that's not, you're not calling him a freak. That's his, (laughs) that's his own nickname that he he proudly wears. So, Uh, but I I hope Jason Tatum kind of, looks at that and says, okay, need to elevate my game a little bit. We need to work on some things on the side, build the team a little bit better, and maybe we'll have a shot next year for the championship. I do have a little aside to clean up something from last week, as you mentioned, Chris. I think I said 30 years. Was it 30 years or 40 years? I want to say you said 30. 1993 is when the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup. So we're almost almost 30 years. That was close. Pretty good pretty good guess off the top of your head. Well, uh, but, I mean, at some point I'm sure they're going to win. But if you didn't know, Chris, uh, the Seattle, uh, the city of Seattle just 
got a new hockey franchise. Well, not just got, but did they really? Yeah, it's called the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> okay. Uh, they are doing their expansion draft, I think, uh, in the next few days, and then this will be their first season, which will balance the the. It actually balances out because of Las Vegas coming a few years ago. So now they're going to have, I think, an even number of teams. And, yeah, uh, good for them. But um, that's just going to make it harder for the Canadian teams to uh, make the finals. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, good, good, good luck, Seattle. Yeah, that's what I say. All right, on to some baseball. Now, I believe it was over the course of the weekend, last weekend, uh, well, this past weekend, right. uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees uh, had a series, and Alex Verdugo had a little bit of an issue. Red Sox outfielder Alex Verdugo, apparently a fan in Yankee Stadium, uh, threw a baseball at him while, while the game was taking place, I believe. Uh, and apparently it hit him hit him in the back, back of the head, something like that. Uh, and he got, you know, he got pretty ticked, and I can understand that. That's <laughs> certainly... You know, we've had um, our our issues with some of the things uh, Verdugo uh, allegedly took part in in the past. Um, but regardless, this isn't necessarily about the player or the teams involved. It's about don't be an a-hole and throw things on the field. It's not even a case of, like, there's a home run ball hit and a fan threw it back. This dude threw something at a player. Like, and, and, you know, Verdugo, for all you can say about him, everybody said how, like, the, the term they were using was sounded off, uh, told him off. Pretty much what he said was, like, you just can't throw crap on the field. You got to be better than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and everybody acted like he was, you know, this whole diatribe. And it's like, you just pretty much stated that it's not okay. And he's not wrong. Like, uh, the fan was apparently banned from life from Yankee Stadium. Hey, look, yeah. I'm a Red Sox fan. Uh, I know a ton of Yankee fans, and none of them would do something stupid like this. So this isn't a matter of fact. Uh, this isn't a matter of oh, Yankee fans do this and Red Sox fans don't. Red Sox fans do just shit, just as stupid. I've been to Fedway. I've seen it. Uh, yeah. You get a late, you get a four o'clock game with all the bars they have around there. You see a lot of stupidity, but you also see a lot of good people who wouldn't do anything like that. It's the same as Yankee Stadium or any other park around the country. Uh, this is an outlier, a fan doing something stupid that makes his fan base... Uh, that makes his fan base look bad because it's not the rest of the fans that did it. But can put a negative glare on some of the fans in the stadium, which isn't fair to them. Same as like some of the crap that's happened in the stands at Fenway. Puts a negative glare uh, on Red Sox fans and... I, as a Red Sox fan, can tell you 99% of, probably higher than 99% of all Red Sox fans would not do some of the stupid crap that the idiots at Fenway did. So, this is, it's an outlier. Uh, I think the fans should have been banned. Um, I thought Verdugo was pretty calm in his reaction. He just kind of stated, you got to be better than that, and you do. Uh, but, you know, Yankee fans are better than this. Um oh. Which, look, for me to be sitting here defending Yankees fans is it, saying a lot. Because as baseball fans, they annoy me. <laughs> but as human beings, they're human beings who just cheer for their team. So it, it's not a personal thing. It's In the baseball realm, yeah, I don't like you. 
in the real life realm, it's it, it's a game and we just support different teams. But this idiot should have gotten thrown out. He should have been banned. Uh, I don't care who it is. This is a Red Sox fan who threw something at Derek Jeter or or Johnny Gomes or or, or uh, Yankee fan throwing at Johnny Gomes or throwing something at Bernie Williams or any Red Sox or Yankee player, any fan of the opposing team throughout the years. I don't do it. I don't care. I don't care if it's a Triple A player just getting called up or the biggest star in the game. They are there. You pay your ticket. You can cheer. You can boo. Don't. Uh, don't start with borderline assault. That's not okay. You don't have a right to throw things at these people. You don't have a right to put your hands anywhere near them. These are still human beings. Uh, it, it, it was stupid, and I'm glad that the idiot got kicked out. So there's a couple angles I have from this one, Chris. Um, first off, I'll, I'll give you a little assist on um, added context. Uh, Verdugo threw the ball into the state. Not threw, sorry, tossed. Was trying to get it to a young fan. It did not get to the young fan. And of course, he threw it up there, turned his back to, you know, you know, because they're playing. And that baseball was the one that was thrown at his back. So I'm not blaming Verdugo, by the way. Um, no, that happens, trying, that happens literally every inning of every game. Right. So he's trying to do a nice gesture. Yeah. And as you pointed out, some a hole decided. To, Oh, he's a he's a he's a big uh, tough guy. He's gonna throw a baseball at uh, Alex or hit Alex Verdugo. Uh, again, I don't condone anyone throwing anything onto the field. Here's here's my here's my here's my problem. The reaction of this event is exactly how it should be every single time this happens. Wasn't a big. I don't want to call it not a big deal. Wasn't a big deal. Punishment was swift and calculated. The player was upset, but did not overreact, didn't go overboard, did not turn this into some other stance, and we've moved on. And this is is my issue, is I don't want it to blow up into something it's not, because you pointed out exactly right. This is just... It's just... uh, idiot fan throwing a ball and he did a stupid thing and it's a microcosm or not that's not the word i'm looking for what would you use outlier thank you that's what i outlier and i would say this to mr kyrie irving i'd say it's a marcus smart i would say it's a every other player who has made it a bigger deal than it was whether it's throwing uh objects or throwing words. You point them out. You say, that person did this, this, and this. Let security handle it. Let your ownership deal the punishment out themselves. And don't make it a bigger thing than it is. Because in all reality, that one person is the outlier. It is, yeah, not, it, the, yeah. it is not the normal. And I think that's the problem. Is that we've... Society likes to have drama stories... And some players like to create that drama. And I think in these outlier situations, and you put it perfectly, you're, you're making a fan base look one way when in all reality, this is just the outlier and it's not, this is not the whole group the same exact way. It's right. just, yep. it's just not. So 
we can what? admit we can admit that the there is these people what whatever they do whether it's words or objects we can admit there are a-holes in all fan bases at all stadiums at all walks of life and all walks of life but to to drum up this storm because you want to make it something bigger than it actually is or you just have some sort of cause. I think that's the. I think this this is the situation because I'm not going to complain about how there's no attention to it. This has been dialed down for this reason or that. I'm just going to say, you know what? This is how it should be. This is how it should be. Nope, I agree. We don't have to make something out of nothing. Not every every one fan does not represent an entire fan base. You're 100 percent right. Uh, it happened. It was dealt with. Player didn't overreact. It was what it was, and punishment was dealt, and now it's over with, and we move on. I'm very happy with the situation, uh, and I'm even happier that uh, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, the team that didn't make it something it didn't have to be because they had drugged us out. I mean, my God, there's still there's still franchises 20 years later yelling Spygate every time they lose a, lose a playoff game. Right. So, yeah, let's let's – okay. You know, talk about making something out of nothing uh, and not letting it go. I'm glad they didn't do that and they're able to move on. And hopefully, hopefully, we don't see anything like this again. Because even though he wasn't seriously injured, like you never know. Right. You never know. So one thing we do know, uh, you know, it may have been ooh, almost 30 years since the last NHL team has won a Stanley Cup. I believe it was the same year the last Major League Baseball team won a World Series from Canada. I believe that was 1993. And that team is going to be get, getting a chance to go home for the first time in almost almost two seasons uh, at the end of July. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to get a chance to go back to Rogers Center and play in Canada with uh, restrictions finally, uh, finally easing. They're able to go home and play in their home stadium for the first time since October. No, they didn't make the playoffs. September of 2019. Uh, I mean, you're talking almost two full years. Uh, they've been playing in Buffalo uh, since uh, for all of last year and to this point this season. Uh, and uh, I believe tonight, as we're recording this, they are playing their final game against the Red Sox in Buffalo as their home park, and they will be going back to Toronto, I uh, believe, on July 30th, like I said, and they're going to get a chance to play at home in front of their, their home fans again, and this is, a, this is, you know, not necessarily what they thought they'd be in the standings right now, but this is a team that has a ton of talent, a lot of fantastic young players, uh, a lot of potential, a lot of potential, and this is a fan, if I was a fan base, uh, I'd be very excited. Um... On the other hand, Buffalo, I mean, they had really good attendance there when the fans were allowed back. Oh, yeah? From what I see. It was a minor league stadium, I believe. Right. So, not not trying to downplay it, but even a sellout at a minor league stadium isn't a sellout at a major league stadium. That doesn't mean they couldn't have or wouldn't have. But this potentially, if the Toronto fans don't return the way they thought they were going to and it doesn't, uh, attendance doesn't increase over the next couple of seasons. You might potentially see Major League Baseball moving the last Canadian team to Buffalo. Just um, a thought. Just a thought. I was going to say, isn't that 
because I've heard other rumors like that, you know, similar. But I mean, I guess the distance. I mean, the distance is a is a tough one though, because it's right there next to Toronto. Um, but you do have the Buffalo Sabers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, so I guess. Although it is different because hockey is super different in in Canada than it is the United States. Oh, but, I, 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 I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about another team. I'm talking about the Blue Jays moving to Buffalo. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. Okay. Because I've heard you know discussions about expansion and and Buffalo might be a target. Well, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. No. Uh. Well, Manfred's. Oh, I mean, I mean let, let <laughs> oh me boy. preface this uh, by saying this will be good. No matter what you say, this will be good. Okay, take a ha- grain of salt. Has, he has mentioned expansion recently and in the recent uh, past, um, and I mean, I, I understand his position. Uh, what did it? So, I was listening to the radio the other day, and they were talking about the the Kraken, Seattle Kraken. Uh, let me get the number right. I believe it was the owners will get $40 million. Um, I think it was $40 million uh, when the expansion team is finalized and everything's finalized uh, because they're purchasing the right to be an owner. I guess it's part of the deal. And I guess the rough numbers for a team to be formed a new franchise for baseball it's in the billions jesus so the money's there if someone wants to to go that route the money is there the problem would be where's the city and i didn't mean to get on this tangent but where's the city where's you know the players going to come from and is it is it going to dilute the talent pool too much and as we always have discussions about this, you don't really want one coming in. You really want two because you want to keep that even number. So um, I would say I would agree with you, Chris. That is, that is an interesting uh, maneuver. Toronto, I don't know what kind of attendance they pull. And I know um, the I know they don't. They had a few a few years run with with you know Joey Bats and Edwin Encarnacion and R.A. Dickey and they had a nice run for a couple of years. They made what was it one ALCS I think maybe. I don't think so. No, it was just a DS. I'm honestly I don't remember to tell you the truth. I don't think uh, made, I think it was the division series. I don't think they made it to the league championship. But they had a nice little run. This is different because they have a, a lot of you know, um, second generation players who are very, very talented. Uh, but it is an interesting proposition for them to have, if the money is not there to move the team, what's a hundred miles down to the South across the border to Buffalo. Yep. I mean, you got the bills there. You got the Sabres. There is a fan base there. I would say, from what you said about the AAA good attendance, there may be a desire there. It would be interesting to see if it's in the cards. I know 
at one point, Puerto Rico was talked about as possible yeah, yeah. location for a, a MLB team. Um, it'd be interesting. I would say that much. Um, but you're right that about and, and getting back to the Blue Jays for the uh, for this season, they're not where they want to be, but they're still in 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 firing distance for the the wild card spots and a good starting pitcher a good starting pitcher and we might talk about this in a couple episodes might put them in the right track yeah and they have some 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 players here banged up too if they're able to get back this season and healthy could really improve them also much like you know much like the red sox you know as good as they're doing they could end up getting a healthy Chris Sale back, you know. Uh, granted, he's not necessarily in, in game shape to throw seven, eight innings every outing, but this is a guy who could work himself back up. And, and and if it ends up to the you know getting to the close to the playoffs, and he's just getting in the form, whew, that could be huge. Chris, would you rather have Garrett Richards go for you in a pivotal game that that gets you in the playoffs? Uh, Nick Pavetta or or Chris Sale? I think I would. Uh, I think I'd go Sale, then Pavetta, then Richards. Right. I, yeah. I would. I would definitely. Pavetta's Pavetta's got upside. Pavetta's got a lot uh, of upside. I've seen the 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 stats for him, and and I, I think I caught one one or two games. I'm pitching pretty good, but it's yeah. not Chris Sale. And if no, Chris Sale no. comes back, not peak performance, but. 80%, 85%. 80, I, I was going to say that 80% Chris Sale is still better than most major league pitchers. Right. So I think, and especially if he's starter, like if he's in the bullpen, uh, I don't know. But I like because he's, he's a starter. His stuff plays as a starter. Uh, doesn't mean he can't be out of the bullpen, but I think because especially if they get a starter, that uh, if they get Chris Sale come back as a starter, that means they don't need to go out and get and spend a lot on exactly premier or less than premier starting pitchers for a farm system that's still trying to rebuilding. How many times? How many times have we seen a franchise that has everything going good, then they trade a couple of key players for a rental of a, of a, of, a, of a player who is borderline elite, and then it just ends up screwing up the entire chemistry of the team? Don't do anything major. Do like what they did in 04. You got to trade someone away, trade someone away, but trade for uh, a solid defensive player and, and, and at an area of weakness or a good left-handed bat who you, you know is going to be on the bench. You don't have to – not every trade deadline has to be shaking up every star player who's going to be a free agent you possibly can. Sometimes a couple role players can can have you playing deep into October. And that's, so. and, and that's what the, the, the Padres really – I think that's the one team when I look at the the standings. That's the one team I would look at and say, I understand you're in striking distance, and you've got two teams ahead of you, but you just need to be careful not to go super crazy and, and reform the team and and overspend for. I mean, if it's Max Scherzer, which I know there's rumors out there for him moving, but other than that, like you you. You don't want to overspend for, you know, a Mike Fires and or, you know, uh, Martin Perez. You know, I'm just thinking like middle of the road, like you said, uh, below supreme talent and and 
overpay for it and it just doesn't work out. It's like Chris Art Chris Archer. Yeah. Yeah, that was not that was not a great trade on the uh side of the Pirates. All right. Moving on to football, we had a couple of contracts signed within the last couple of days. One slightly bigger than the others. Uh, I believe you told me, I, I actually hadn't seen this, but as we started recording, that Melvin Ingram has signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Which, look, may not be the flashiest signing of the offseason, but Melvin Ingram is a, a talented linebacker. And you put him with uh, Devin Bush and TJ Watt on that on that defense with Pittsburgh, oof, that those are the kind of players like we are talking about with Giannis and LeBron who elevate the players around them as good as Ingram is man he could be ready for a career resurgence and I think Chris this is a smart move by the Steelers because I was I'm not a Steelers fan but I was against them going all in and, and re-signing Bud Dupree I thought it yep. was insanity for them to give him the franchise tag last year and they kind of saw like the shininess of, of Bud Dupree, and I understand he got injured, so I'm not taking uh, the career year he was potentially going to have. But he is what he is. He is a pass rusher that has some issues with holding the edge. He has some issues uh, if he gets double teamed, which is anybody, but he, he, he is ineffective against double teams, and he can't disrupt without support from other players. Uh, TJ Watt is, or JJ, TJ, TJ Watt. He worked around it. He figured it out as the season progressed. And to allocate the resources that they probably allocate, because Ingram's contract's not out, but I think for what he, for what they want him to do, it's going to mirror what they got out of Bud Dupree. Only the price tag is significantly lower. And his football IQ is probably higher than Bud Dupree's just yeah. because he's been in the league for many years. Yep. Uh, and I don't think he'll have any problem transitioning to their defense. And it'll just and, – and I think there is something to say about a, a, a veteran player coming in on a team with a talented young player who's a rising superstar – who can just say, you know what, TJ, I see what you're doing. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? You know, little subtle things that TJ could pick up from Melvin Ingram might elevate his career even more. Would be interesting. Would it be very interesting to his career? Uh, it's a great move for the, the Steelers. Even if he has two sacks in the season, I think the dividends for that linebacking core are going to be immense uh, having Melvin Ingram on that team. No, I agree. I agree. That's going to be one of those. That's, that's an under-the-radar signing that could have a major impact. Uh, as of right now, Stefan Gilmore and the Patriots have still not uh, come to an agreement that will get him back on the field. Uh, it, 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 doesn't seem, it still doesn't seem like it's getting ugly by any means. Right. Uh, Gilmore has said, apparently... Uh, well, his represent, representation has said uh, that he's open to a long-term deal. He is also open to getting a pay increase and playing out his remaining one year. Uh, now, you might ask yourself, well, why would he expect a pay increase? Well, last season, he got what was thought to be a $5 million bonus. 
It was just money transferred from this past, from this last year of his contract, excuse me, to last year to kind of keep him happy, give him a little bit more money, and they figured they'd either, you know, trade him or, or restructure or, or give him an extension. None of those things have happened, so they can either pony up for one year, which honestly, I would prefer. Now, I love Stephon Gilmore. He's been incredible for the team. I want to see him stay a Patriot. He's still, I mean, he seems like he's been in the league forever, but he's, he's still young. Um, I think you sign him to a one-year deal, give him enough to make him happy, and then if he still has it, maybe you sign him to a two- or three-year extension. And if he wants more than that, well, maybe you let him go elsewhere and see what he can get. But, um, yeah, there's not really a whole lot on that, uh, but I, I, for one, would be a fan of the just... Okay, give him a little bit more this year. Doesn't work out. You haven't screwed yourself long-term with a bad contract. And here's what I'd say to that, Chris. Patriots got $12 million, um, in the in cap space right now. And I know Bill Belichick would like to go into the season with a little cushion. Understandable. You don't know what's going to happen during the season, and you might want to make a move, sign a player that becomes available, what have you. He's getting paid $7 million right now this year, which puts him very, very low on the list. He, he is um, around – I mean, Patrick Peterson's getting eight, and he's a, a little bit longer in the tooth. It, he really, really – to put him, to put him in the, the, the position where you need to say he might play for – God, it's got to be like 13, 14 million, to be honest. And I know that's adding six, probably six to eight million dollars in cap. And that'll put you probably in a point where you're going to limit your options during the season. But what do you want? Do you want. Yeah. Do, do you really want to risk not having, at least for one year, Stefan Gilmore, one more year, one more crack at it to say, because you did, you did all this work in the offseason. Um, you made the move uh, at quarterback during the draft. Understand, we're not sure where that's going to to kind of come come to fruition. Whether it's going to be Mac Jones or Cam Newton playing quarterback, but you put yourself in this position by making those moves with with Janu Smith, with Hunter Henry, with the wide receivers, with um, Matthew Judon. Some of the beef uh, up in the defensive line. You made those moves. You made those decisions. Yeah, there was a long time this offseason when I thought they were going to trade Gilmore. Yeah, I really did believe that. But seeing how they have not yet to this point, I don't think it'll happen now. I've changed my mind on that. They're going to keep him. Uh, they're going to work something out. They're going to work something out. Uh, like you said, a lot of the front office is is not in in the buildings right now for the teams, uh, but as as training camps officially began, uh, you're going to start seeing more of that, and you're going to have guys come in and start negotiating contracts and working out these little working out these little wrinkles that kind of make them unhappy or you know uh, temperamental, uh, which isn't the case with Gilmore. He hasn't you know he hasn't been you know hard to deal with or anything. But from what we've heard, obviously I don't know the guy, but uh, so I mean, and, and remember you said around 13 to get him to a respectable level for his position at his talent level. Uh, and that, that's assuming 
They just give him extra to make him happy this year. If they restructure this and make it a three, four year deal, <laughs> they'll probably end up with more cap room than they have now. It's just how those contracts work. Like they'll end up taking that six and converting it to bonus money or whatever and adding it to whatever they're going to pay him. And he'll end up making like 13 to 15 this year. And they'll somehow have, they'll somehow have more money on the books because uh, NFL salary caps are the thing of magicians. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I for one hope when we were watching week one, we see Stefan Gilmore run out on the field in a Patriots uniform, but time will tell. And, and, and I would just say, Chris, um, I'm usually the one that harps on someone's age and saying how they're on the wrong side of 30, they're too long in the tooth, which I'm usually just, you know, overblowing it. Darrell's no, 30... no, really? No. Yes, yes, yes Chris, I, I will openly admit that. He's 30 years old. I think he's got the body type and the skill set because he doesn't rely purely on speed. And I and I was going to link him to, to Darrell Revis, but Darrell Revis apparently retired at 32. So I'd like not to use him as an example. I, I'd like to put him somewhere between Charles Woodson and, and Daryl Green. I think he can have that kind of career longevity because – uh, Charles, I think, played till 35 or 36, and we all know Daryl Green played till what, 45? About 10, about 10 minutes ago. Um, I think he's got this. I think, and what I'm trying to say is, I think a long term contract makes sense for him at this point. Yep. And with some of the contracts that may come off the books next year, uh, we know McCordy at some point is going to retire. He's, oh, he's been talking about it for three years now. Yeah, it's, right. it's definitely coming. And I can't imagine, you know, now that his brother's elsewhere, maybe his brother's got one more season left, and maybe he makes the season. I don't know, but it's just you'd like to have some continuity because the biggest problem, and we'll speak from the Patriot fan of us, we know the biggest issue has been in the entire run is sometimes the secondary continuity has just fallen apart because they just can't keep the right pieces in the right place on that in that secondary, and it's caused major problems. And we can think about the gap between um, Asante Samuel leaving and all the way till Akib Talib comes uh, is traded. I mean, look at look at the, some of the secondary players they've had throughout Belichick's run: Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, Rodney Harrison, Akib Talib. Asante Samuel, who you might say doesn't belong in the category with those guys, but don't forget how good he was for a few years stretch there. Uh, Malcolm Butler was considered elite for a couple of years there. Now they have Gilmore. Uh, Jackson looks like he's going to be cut from just about that same cloth. You have uh, McCordy, who has been about as good as you could expect. I mean, and I know I'm leaving people out too, but I mean, yeah, it hasn't been an issue of talent. Like you said, it's been an issue of keeping everyone happy together, uh, dealing with personalities and temperaments. and uh, It can be complicated, but it looks right now like, you know, uh, Gilmore and the Patriots are, are being civilized. It's, it's not getting ugly. Uh, it's just a matter of working out the numbers, and I think they'll get it done. And Somebody... Uh, I was just going to say, um, with, with Kyle Duggar... I know you you talk about him with with great fervor. 
and I, I think it's 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 accurate. I think that next year or two is very important for him to take that step continuously because they're t- they're talking about him too. Bill's talking about him with great with great uh, expectations over the next few years. And if Bill's talking about him, then you know the kid's got talent, the kid's got IQ. And I hate to see him getting burned consistently because him and Jonathan Jones can't get on the same page. Or him and um, uh, uh, who's the other guy? Judge uh, Jackson not being on the same page. Where you have Delrell Revis, he's kind of a could be a calming influence to say, hey, this this is how we do things and this is how it and I think that it's very important over the next few years because Kyle Kyle Duggar could be that connecting point to the next the next team, the next leadership in this on this team. And it could be valuable for the years to come. Well, somebody who does not have a contract issue uh, anymore is uh, Mr. What, Fred Fred Warner. Oof. Yeah, Fred Warner. Fred Warner of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he he's he's going to bet a very rich man this evening. Uh, was five years for what are the numbers on that? Five for ninety five. Ninety five point two two five. Forty point five guaranteed. Twenty seven point five at signing. So, and he, I believe he's twenty-four. So I think that answers any questions as to whether or not to be able to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for the remainder of his contract. Even if they had not drafted Trey Lance, uh, they're not going to be able to have the money once all this comes together. Garoppolo is not sticking around, uh, and I think it's smart to take some of that money while you can and lock up some really talented defensive players, uh, because then by the time you get to the downside of those contracts. It'll be time to re-sign some of your offensive players. That's how good teams stay competitive. Uh, they don't just load up all in one year, um, which is, you know, like the Chiefs did last year. We will see how that turns out. Uh, but, yeah, lock them up while you can, and, and good for good for Fred Warner. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. That's a lot of money. And you don't necessarily see a lot of contracts like that this time of year. Normally those are all when free agency starts and a few weeks after that or a couple weeks after the season starts. Uh, they must have really liked what they saw in OTAs, I guess. I don't know. And I think this puts him in an absolute prime position. So technically he'll be 30 when he his contract potentially ends, but the last two years of his contract are uh, options. It uh, doesn't state whether or not they're team or not, but uh, it puts him in a position where he'll still be in a spot where he can get another one, a another significant contract. It's a smart move. It's like what Derrick Henry did, shorter contract, but puts him in a right spot for prime position to get that second one, and I, I think it is a smart business decision for him. Um and it seems like he's working out well with the San Francisco 49ers. We'll see how Robert Solis's uh, departure uh, affects him or doesn't affect him. But I think this is the right move for him, and it puts him in a great position. And, and he is probably, just spitballing, probably top five 
linebackers in the game right now. That was fun. We had a little uh, couple of minutes snafu there. I accidentally moved and unplugged my headphones, which you'd think would be an easy fix, but I had to save the whole podcast at this point and shut everything down and restart it, and it was a whole ordeal. So we're back now, though, and uh, <laughs> I want to try to do a transition, but to be honest with you, until I listen back to this, I won't know the last thing Ben said because... I didn't realize I'd unplug my headphones until I'm looking at him on Zoom here, and uh, he's talking, and I'm not hearing anything. So, last thing we have on our uh, our agenda here is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers, and this isn't anything, you know, this isn't, I've, I've said my piece on what I think about him and yep. his attitude at times, and, and, you know, his talent on the field is unquestionable, but a lot of times his his attitude is just bad. Um, apparently he, he is, seems to be quite serious about not returning to green Bay, uh, for everything he said about it, for everyone that questioned him. And I, I did at, at some points too, and I still have a lot more questions based on how he's acted in, in other ways, but apparently they, the Packers offered him this off season, a two year extension, which would keep him in green Bay for five more seasons. Well, he's still, obviously we can all do math or at least most of us have three years left in his remaining contract you're not going to give him an extension if you're not going to keep him around right so they were going to do what he initially wanted which was give him the extension and keep him in green bay he's already 37 so i hope he didn't think he was going to get like a seven-year extension uh i mean who knows he might play it was 45 but i doubt it uh, this this is Odd. I think this really does go to the point uh, to prove the point that he really is just fed up with Packer management. Um, I, quite frankly, if I were Packer management, I'd be just about fed up with him. Uh, right. So I think there might be, while the Packers aren't saying anything and they insist they are not going to trade him, uh, there there might be a mutual feeling of this relationship just isn't working anymore. Uh, but Packers are not saying that. They're adamant they're keeping him. They apparently like flushing first-round picks down the drain, and they're not going to use Jordan Love. Uh, which, I, if that wasn't your intention, it makes no sense to me. Uh, but the interesting thing about this extension, with all the big contracts we saw last year, including the biggest of all, Patrick Mahomes, who, when this all kicks in, will make an uh, estimated uh, $46 million annually. This extension would have made Aaron Rodgers the highest paid player in the NFL. Now, the details and the exact numbers have not been released. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find them. Uh, but that is that is big. And they, I wouldn't... I'd have to think it included just restructuring the remaining three years also because... He's not going to sign that if he's not going to see anything different for three seasons. You know what I mean? I like he's going to have to. He's going to have to make some kind of benefit out of that. Uh, apparently, he just straight up declined it. Uh, it. It doesn't. It doesn't seem right now like Aaron Rodgers will step on the field in a Packer uniform again. 
It, it comes back to the same thing, Chris, and he'll never admit it to it publicly. But as we went over this, it had to have been like a month, month and a half ago. If you read between the lines and what he said and what he's not saying, it's all because of one thing, Jordan Love. The drafting of Jordan Love offended him to the extent where he doesn't want to be there anymore. He couldn't do what Tom did and just said, okay, you want to draft this young kid? I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong, and I'm going to force you to trade him at some point before I'm done. And then at some point I might just move on myself, go win a championship. Maybe that's not what Tom exactly was thinking, but he said, I'm going to strap him on, and I'm going to prove that not only am I not done, I'm better than this kid, I'm better than this kid will ever be, He's he, Tom has been better than Jimmy since since he stepped into the, uh, since Jimmy stepped onto the team in New England, and at no point has Jimmy Garoppolo been any better than Tom Brady. And Aaron Rodgers can't that doesn't compute in his head for some reason, even though he came in with the same situation that Jordan Love did. He's trying to usurp a, a superstar player that has been the face of the franchise for years. And the Packers at, at that point were able to step aside from Brett Favre, make a move, get some draft picks, and have success. Whereas right now they seem to be in a pickle. If I were the Packers, I wouldn't be in a pickle. I'd say, okay. Sit on the sideline, Jordan Love. Let's go. Yeah, and the thing the thing is though, um, you're not wrong. I did the <clears> same <throat> thing. Hey, Jordan Love, we drafted him in the first round for a reason. People aren't going to like it. No, a lot of people didn't like it when he moved on from Favre and, and went with Rodgers. Now everyone's not liking it when it's going to go from Rodgers to Love. Um, I think the, if, if you're the Packers, you kind of missed the boat trying to be stubborn here. Uh, you offered him the extension after he said he wanted an extension, and he didn't want the extension, which <laughs> you're 100% right. It all has to do with the drafting of Jordan Love, but let's face it, even before that, Aaron Rodgers was still never happy. True. No matter what, there's always a problem, and it's never Aaron Rodgers' fault. Uh, and look, in, in fairness, sometimes it is not Aaron Rodgers' fault. Uh, in years when the Packers didn't have great defenses and he was going out there and putting up MVP numbers, that's not on him. Uh, but, you know, Mike McCarthy is, you know, legendary coach in Green Bay for, I don't know, legendary, but highly thought of coaching Green Bay for quite some time, win a championship. Then all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers has a few down years, and all of a sudden, it, it, it's Mike McCarthy that can't coach. And then they bring in uh, the, the Matt LaFleur guy. And Matt LaFleur seems like a really, really good young coach, a guy who's going to be in a league contributing in a positive way for, for probably decades to come. Uh, one great year. Last year, it's awesome. Aaron Rodgers is happy again. Woo-hoo. We all talked about how weird that is, how all these announcers have to say how much fun he is when he's happy. Like, he's a temperamental teenager. Uh, which he is. Which he is. I, I, you know, mentally. Uh, and, but now it's... You got LaFleur kind of carrying water for him, saying, no, 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 he he's great. He knows how much we care about him. He knows this. He knows that. So he's already putting LaFleur in a weird spot. He's putting a GM in a weird spot. And it's like, 
you want weapons, so they bring back Aaron Jones. They draft A.J. Dillon, which Green Bay uses the uh, running back as a receiver out of the backfield quite a bit, so those are good good, good additions. You have uh, the best, I'd say the most athletic, if you've ever seen the guy's footwork, the most athletic receiver in the game, and Devontae Adams. You have Alan Lazard, who's extremely underrated. You have MVS, who's dropped a few balls. Oh, my God, he's terrible for that. Guy's human. He's made some mistakes. He's a nice deep threat. Maybe if he didn't have to worry about getting chewed out every time he dropped a damn ball, he'd be a little bit better. And I'm not saying give these guys participation trophies because you have to be accountable for your mistakes, but maybe help a young player along. And don't send him to Siberia for like the entire weeks because he dropped the ball. Yeah. I mean, so it's like every time you throw an interception, Rodgers, you know, is. Matt LaFleur justified to, to put Jordan Love on the field for the next five weeks because you did something that was, quote, preventable. I mean, it's an interesting conversation um, as to, you know, what this guy actually wants to be happy. I don't think they can make him happy. Um, money didn't make him happy. He wants that, then he gets it, and now... Now he still now he still doesn't want to play for Green Bay. Now you know, it's 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 almost to the point where like you run in circles so much. And I've just done this. I I just started repeating myself, and that's why I kind of stopped myself and and just started talking. <laughs> just started this new this new dialogue uh, because Aaron Rodgers would just make your head spin. Yeah, you sit there and you think about how many weapons he has. Uh, everything this team has done to win and be competitive, and, and the great loyal fan base they have there and the history on that team. And it's like, all these things going for him. And he still just seems like, I don't know, like your uncle who's always a little pissed off for some reason. You don't know why. But he's like, sometimes he's cheery and other times get off my lawn. It's this, he is one of the more enigmatic superstar personalities I can remember in a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I and I think... If we jump forward two months, because that's about the beginning of uh, now that I'll actually be into the season already. I think we're going to have Jordan Love as a starting quarterback. And the team is going to move on and they're going to hold his contract. They're not going to sit there and just cut him or release him. They're going to hold his contract and it's going to be devalued. There's no way they're going to get any sort of even exchange, it's going to be pennies. But whatever they get is going to be uh, a beneficial to Jordan Love and the franchise. Because I think I think it's just at this point, move on, move on. Not necessarily from the contract, just move on. Say, okay, you're not showing up. All right, Jordan, go ahead, go ahead. It's your team. We're going to see if you fail. They brought in a backup quarterback, whatever it is. They brought someone in to be the backup quarterback because Jordan Love's going to be a starter. And I think they're just going to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And when Aaron Rodgers is ready to come back and step on the field, they're going to be ready to trade his contract to whomever it's going to be. And I, I, I for one, if I'm starting quarterback for the Washington football team, you never know. I, I just don't think, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to play for the team ever again. And I think it's okay for the Green Bay Packers to say, we made this decision to draft Jordan Love. 
we didn't think Aaron Rodgers would be this much of a baby to cause a stir a few years later. We didn't project this. <laughs> Clearly, they weren't paying attention to previous 12 seasons. Right. Um, and, I, and I think they thought they were going to have the transition they had from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, which wasn't pristine, but it wasn't at this level. Yeah, and I, I think you're 100% right about them getting pennies on the dollar when they do decide to trade him, which is where before he got my head spinning in circles before, and I, w- I was just repeating myself, uh, that's what I was going to say is they missed the boat after they tried to re-sign him. He didn't want it. After saying he did want it, they should have traded him then. They could have gotten, coming off an MVP season, they could have gotten three first-round picks for him. Oh, easy. Easy. Uh, and people go, oh, no, not really. Yeah. Yeah, there was an offensive lineman and Jalen Lash, uh, uh, the uh, the kid who went from Miami to Houston. Um, uh, Lar- Laramie Tunsil. Jer- Laramie Tunsil. Both Laramie Tunsil and uh, Jalen Ramsey in, in the past year went for two first-round picks to their new respective teams. <laughs> I believe it was the Lions received two first-round picks along with Jared Goff for the Matthew Stafford trade. There is right. no there is no trade on this plan that would have been set up for Aaron Rodgers that did not include at least three first-round picks. There's mm. no way. And the Packers could have had that to rebuild for years to come. Unfortunately, they tried they tried showing good faith in Rodgers, and it's going to bite them in the ass because they're going to be lucky at this point to get a first and a third because teams are going to know either they already got their quarterback or – they're gonna know the Packers are desperate and they're not gonna give them what they want. And it's and it's they wanted one more season. They wanted a true off season with Jordan Love taking training camp reps, preseason reps. They wanted to see if he has the talent. They didn't want to just jump all in with their Jordan Love. I can understand that. But from what everything he says and the conversation they probably had when he turned them down on that two years extension, that should have been an indication right there to say, yep. yep. Huh? Okay. He doesn't want an extension, but he wants an extension. It's gotta be Jordan love. What do we do? I mean, unless you trade Jordan love, which again, at that point, you still wouldn't have gotten proper um, trade value because he's unproven his value diminished. Just look at Josh Rosen when he got traded, diminished value. And he actually played a couple of uh, games. So. And look, the Packers are on a point. Jordan Love was a first round pick. Right. They're coming in. They need to know what they have this season so they can see if they can pick up that fifth year option. Because they, they, you know, Green Bay is a smart organization. And you know, as we stated, when all this when this whole pandemic first started, they put aside a ton of money for for a rainy day, so they didn't have to have any of their people be financially hurt by this. Uh, obviously, they didn't know exactly what it would be, but they were smart enough to plan for a rainy day. Uh, they're a smart organization. They're a well-run organization. Uh, but you know, they can't they they can't very well 
do what like the Eagles and the Rams did, which they both regretted, which was two years in before the f- fifth year option even has to get picked up on Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Let's give them massive contracts when you don't have to. Look, I know that the Chiefs did it with Mahomes, but let's face it, Wentz or Goff, I mean, combined in times their talent by five are not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so there are outliers like Mahomes where that makes sense. Neither one of these guys did. You're not gonna, you weren't gonna get that in Green Bay. They have to see what they have in this guy. They're not just gonna say he's gonna be our guy. We're gonna sign him to a long term deal. They either have to find out this year, or they have to take a chance on one season next year, and then re-sign him after not being able to pick up a fifth year option and pay him a lot more, as opposed to three more seasons at his rookie contract. Uh, they, they they've put themselves in a corner here where you know now they have to make a choice and 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 chris i like your analogy with um with um the chiefs the advantage the chiefs had obviously was the last i think it was the last game or the last two games of the season um of his rookie season he played but they went all in they made a decision and i understand there's a difference between um, Patrick, uh, not Patrick Mahomes. There's a difference between Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith. I completely understand that. But Alex Smith was a proven starter, a veteran starter who could lead the team, won't turn the ball over, take teams to the playoffs. They gambled huge that Patrick Mahomes was going to be that guy that took the talent and rose it up. Green Bay needs to. I guess need to make that decision now. And they should have probably made that decision after that deal. They should have made that decision. Say, is he the guy we understand? He hasn't played it down. Can we support him with good talent? Well, we kind of already did that because we supported Aaron Rodgers with all that talent. Can we support him with a backup quarterback? Of course, there are plenty of backup quarterbacks who are available. Veteran players who can come in and help mentor the, the primest example is Brian Hoyer. He is a veteran's veteran. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a veteran's veteran. You could have brought him in, but you wanted to have that lineage of, of quarterbacks in your system, and you wanted to put him on the pedestal with, with Bart Starr and, and Brett Favre. But let's be honest, Brett Favre left Green Bay in under horrible circumstances, he went to the Jets, and then where did he where did he finish his career, Chris? Minnesota. Hated rival, but yeah. but Brett Favre can step onto Lambeau Field to standing ovations even after that. So I'm telling you what, when Aaron Rodgers get ejected out of Green Bay, I don't know if he's ever going to be welcome back because he's the one firing his way out of town. It's not Green Bay pushing him out. Yeah, yeah, Brett Favre is definitely a different circumstance. He would he could make up his mind whether he wanted to retire or not, and the Packers had to move forward. Uh, look, the, the, the Packers have to know this. I can't put all this on Aaron Rodgers. The, the, minute they, the minute that they drafted Jordan Love, they they began to print his ticket out of town. I mean, and that's, and that's fine. 
that's fine. They did the same thing to Brett Favre when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. So that happens. Uh, the, that's what the Patriots are going to do with Brady when they drafted Jimmy G. It, you know, three championships and God knows how many years later. Well, four, but three with the Patriots. Uh, you know, we, we saw how that worked out. But uh, it, it's it's just mind-boggling to me how Rodgers can find himself in the same position as, you know, when he usurped Brett Favre. Now he has this kid behind him. And instead of being like, okay, this is business, I'm, you know, I'm going to go make all this money elsewhere, it's I'm going to stop my feet and say I'm not going to play anymore. Okay, dude, that's what you want to do. I mean, you're just, I mean, the way, I mean, the way these, 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 these broadcasters and these sports networks carry water for this guy, his legacy will never be tarnished. I mean, he is, he is a god to these people for some reason. Um, he's a phenomenal player. But, I mean, I can think of 10 better quarterbacks in my lifetime that I'd rather have in my team than Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, and people are going to go, oh, no, you can't. Try me. And Chris, we can, we can reach back in history and find many examples. You know, Eli Manning was repla- drafted to replace Kurt Warner. Matt Liner was drafted to replace Kurt Warner, which, oddly enough, it happened multiple times. Um. Patrick Mahomes was drafted to replace, to Kurt replace Warner. Oh no, sorry, not Kurt Warner. <laughs> Alex Smith, um, uh, Josh Allen was drafted to replace Tyrod Taylor. Uh, it, it's the young talent who has skills and upside, and when you have an aging quarterback or a quarterback that has plateaued and is just not going to be able to produce more than you want. You need to make a decision and push forward with someone who may be able to rise the franchise higher or for a longer period of time. And quite honestly, Aaron Rodgers is on the back nine, if not on the 17th hole. Maybe he can he can extend that longer, but he's not he is not the long term plan. All right, we're uh, we're running. No, he's definitely not. We're running a little bit long here, so. We're just gonna. I mean, we've already stated it. Just, just, just emphatically, has Aaron Rodgers played his last down as a member of the Green Bay Packers? Yes, he does. I agree. I, I agree with that as well. Uh, anything else? Are you good? I'm good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is gonna do it for episode 138. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports related at all, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS Pod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, bctspod.com. All right, download's still doing very good, and that's because you guys are out there spreading the word, supporting us. We greatly appreciate it. If you feel so inclined and have not done so yet, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, subscribe, and leave a rating and a review, and tell a friend. Uh, maybe, you know, that's a lot on one day, so maybe, maybe do it over a weekend. I don't want to overexert you. We're not trying to give you homework assignments here. We're just trying to, you know, help get the word out. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.